Hi, I'm Amber, also known as the Lone Star Keto Girl, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us, two special guests, Brett Lloyd, Thankful Carnivore, and his wife, Danielle. And uh, Brett and I, we're pretty good friends, so, you know, I'm just going to warn you right now, I, I cannot be responsible for what he says. Okay, I'm just going to say. And while I got your attention, how about you hit that little subscribe button right now? Just get that out of the way because you know you want to. Okay, here we go. Welcome, Brett and Danielle. Hey, thanks for having us, Amber. It's Hello. Great to be here. <laughs> Yay. All right. Okay, let's get to the nitty gritty. Uh, go for it, darling. I behave, I promise. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of hoping you don't to some degree, but remember, I'm not responsible, okay? I'm just saying right off the bat, I'm not responsible. I don't know. All right. So the first thing that I kind of want to ask y'all is who was it that actually decided to change their diet lifestyle and why? That was, was me the, first. Why? Uh, well, in the beginning, it was in 2015, I, I looked in the mirror one day and saw that I was at 289 pounds. I looked like an imminent heart attack or an imminent stroke. And uh, so I started low carb, as I understood it, very imperfectly. But uh, Yeah, I'll interject here to say that he did a short stint with, quote unquote, low carb, Brett's original version of the Atkins diet when we were still back in South Carolina some years ago. And he successfully lost some weight then. So at this point, you know, fast forward 2015 and he wanted to lose weight again. He thought, well, I'll just do what I did before. Which, gotcha. which was, you know, it was, he cut out certain carbs. Certainly didn't cut out all of them. <laughs> he was not a big vegetable eater. Potatoes, let me guess. Yeah, it was like, Get rid of the potatoes, get rid of some of the bread. Potato chips. The chips. Yeah. Cakes, for yeah. the most part, except for white chocolate and uh, <laughs> mints. I was still a mint. I was you still, still a, ate a lot of mints. I was still a mint junkie. Sugar addiction was still in full swing. Of course, I was totally ignorant. I, I was oblivious to anything nutrition wise I, I was just okay. it was just completely not in my purview just knew that had worked before, so. <clears throat> yeah makes sense and i knew that i was at very at a very dangerous place health-wise because i was so incredibly obese my skin looked horrible just horrible pasty reddish around you know just that unhealthy that unhealthy dull yeah that was me. I know what you're talking about mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I couldn't that was I, I if I didn't make an immediate change I was at risk of not living out the year most likely yeah so you started now Danielle when did you jump on board and how did you start did you start just with keto also or like how did you I had always eaten a certain way. I was brought up rather European style, and I and I have a lot of food allergies, so I was already being very careful with what I ate, and I ate, you know, 99.9% you know homemade meals and all of that. So he did his his Brett Atkins thing for quite a long time, and then after he discovered 
uh, Dr. Peterson and Dr. Baker and uh, Amber O'Hearn and some of these other people on YouTube. And I was watching these videos too, and they presented a, a very convincing argument. Of course, I didn't really think I had much wrong with me. I did want to lose weight, but I, you know, I thought, well, if I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy. And so when he went carnivore, I was like a month behind him. I said, okay, I'm going to do low carb. And I had tried actually the month before that to substitute things and do more of the keto type thing and using different things other than regular flour and all of that. And I found that you can't really fake real food. You can't really try and make the same things that you were eating before and except make them out of, you know, coconut flour or whatever the yeah. hell crazy things people are doing and those bread cloud things which are really just little egg soufflés and then you let them fall and then you pretend they're bread and that kind of <laughs> I've all this stuff. Oh I tried all these, these things. ancient grains. <laughs> yeah I got the ancient grains. I try all this. And none of it really worked. And gave I, it all away. So then I decided well okay I'll try you know just go low carb. So I cut out the pasta and I cut the bread down to where I was only eating French bread. I was eating very little of it. And, um, and so I ate more meat. And, but I wasn't real big with the bacon or any more than I had been before. And I still eat a variety of meats. But that first month, I lost like a bunch of weight, like really easily. And so that made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is pretty great. And I really was very reluctant to go to carnivore because I, to me, I thought it was very boring. Wait, let, let me guess though. Did, did that one right there bully you into carnivore? No, but he kept telling <laughs> like me, he did all me. roads lead there. All roads like lead he did there. me. So it's, yeah. like, uh, it's like, well, we quit smoking. He quit smoking. This is, we're talking, you know, 15 years ago. He quit smoking and he kept telling me, oh, you don't have to quit. And it's like, okay, if you keep saying that, obviously I have to. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. I know how he works. I, I know. I know how he did me with carnivore. And so I didn't, I didn't really want to, but I, I also, at the same time, I couldn't deny the obvious benefits. It was very obvious that not eating all these carbs, I was feeling much better. I easily lost weight. And so it's like, hang it. <laughs> the dang <laughs> thing right. works. <laughs> I, I the, so the exact quote was, was all roads lead to meat. Yeah, he kept saying that. And, and uh, I did, I was I've heard I, that. I, I wasn't, I never pushed her because I knew the minute I started pushing her, she wouldn't do it. No, no. It would have taken a, a, a vision, you know, an angelic vision or something to convince her at that yeah. point. Now, I don't, I, I don't miss vegetables at all. I occasionally think about fruit, but not, I don't think about it the way that I used to. Right. Which I was, I used to think, well, I like fruit and also it's really good for me. I know now that I don't need to eat it at all. Right. So I don't really think of it in those terms. I, if I had to choose something, I would probably eat some berries every now and then or something like that. I mean, it's funny. He, he makes fun of like what I eat sometimes. Like I make roast chicken and he goes, oh, it's a weak bird. It's like, 
Not if you eat enough of it, it isn't. <laughs> if I make a six-pound chicken and my son and I can eat the whole thing, well, hey. <laughs> And they do. I've never seen anything like it. They, 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 and, and to me, chicken now, and, and it wasn't like this before. I mean, before carnivore, I, I loved chicken. Yeah, I he never chicken. turned down chicken. I chicken tenders or uh, some other kind of stuff, but he never liked, like, roast chicken. He never liked what I would make, like, sautéed chicken with a cream sauce and stuff like that. He never did like that kind of food. Mm. He was a I meat and potatoes kind of guy. He didn't want a salad. He didn't want a vegetable or any of that. I wanted my yeah. baked potato or my mashed potato. potatoes and my meat <laughs> and whatever ridiculous thing. I, I might be drinking milk. I might be now, drinking grape juice. Now, uh, Pizza and bread and uh, potatoes, yeah, he, he really liked that and his bag margarine. Now, see, that's one thing. I always yep. only use butter. Uh, I really didn't care for margarine, and sometimes I kept, felt compelled that I should use it on some things because it's so much cheaper, but I never really liked it much. It was just, you know, always butter. Ugh, I, I only had margarine. <laughs> like I, unless it was accidentally on the table when I had bread or something at a restaurant, I never had butter in my house, like ever. And well, I take that back unless I baked with it. Like it specifically called, you know, those cake recipes with the butter in them and then you melt it. Yeah. Okay. I did that. But other than that, butter, no, it was margarine. So it's yeah. it crazy. I genuinely like the taste of margarine better. It, I, I, I think looking back on it, I think it has to do with the fact that you know, we're not aware of what we're not aware of. And, you know, the, the, inflama the inflammation, the brain fog, you know, now I, I just the thought of margarine makes my stomach rumble and protest. Country oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That stuff was so gross. And he would break out. And I would try to tell him, I can see how much you're breaking out compared to how much margarine you're eating. And there was a direct correlation. But it's like, you couldn't tell him that. You would never believe that. It was what he was <laughs> And I would tell him, you know, you really don't need a little bit of potato with your margarine. You know, you're supposed to have. <laughs> oh, this is fun. This is fun. I like all this telling on you. I was cooking for Cocoa Puffs then. So, you know, it was like she could have been speaking the gospel truth 24 7 but i yeah. was all filtered some of it is how you're raised and what you're used to eating right and i grew up eating french cooking for the most part and you know some italian some other european stuff i i never ate fast food she never had biscuits and gravy in her life until she met me i i fixed her her first <laughs> batch of biscuits and gravy Oklahoma, and my mother made us grits when we were kids, and I love grits, but, <laughs> you know, the sloppy kind in the bowl, though, not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so funny because, you know, Texas, they kind you know, it's like Southern kind of, but we're like our own country kind of thing, and so grits is not really a thing here. I mean, we have our Tex-Mex and, you know, barbecue. That's our thing. So, you know, people think I don't even know if it's a thing in Oklahoma other than I grew up with it. <laughs> Maybe I'm making assumptions. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Like I don't know. I've never, you know, really known too many people from Oklahoma, so I don't know either. But, um, okay, so 
when this is for both of y'all, whoever wants to answer first, what was the one thing after going carnivore that kind of shocked you, that surprised you, uh, a benefit or whatever? I'm assuming it would be a benefit. But what what's the one thing that kind of made you go, wow? Which time? <laughs> well, I can answer for sure that for me, it was definitely the brain fog, which I wasn't really aware that I had. Wow. was okay. not aware that 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 was an issue <laughs> until wow. my morning grumpy went away and I had never been I've always been a night person I'm actually still a night person my favorite time of the day is after everybody's gone to bed and there I am mm -hmm. and and uh but in the mornings I you know I got up early for years like after I had kids and then it's like you never get to sleep late again and life <laughs> job and kids and everything else and but I always in the morning I had a routine I had to get up and I would have a couple of mugs of coffee and I didn't want to talk to anybody just please just don't even talk to me let me slowly become aware of the world around me <laughs> I literally I would I you know and everybody knew that from him to the roommates that I had when I, years ago and I mean, even when I was a kid, though, it was a little different in the morning. You are pretty much, you know, kind of left alone. And plus, you're going to school, and I wasn't getting enough quite as early as I am now. She, she, that was a, that was a the, really the big morning, thing that I noticed. The morning that all that changed, she came down the hall. Now, you got to realize, when she would usually come down the foyer here, I would just, I might wait till she walked in the room and then give her a peck and then go run and hide. <laughs> it just it was if you didn't do that if you tried to start a conversation you, you everybody was going to suffer so she was going to get angry and then she was going to make me angry <laughs> and, and that's a crappy way to start the day but this particular time she's walking through there talking politely nicely so initiates a conversation yeah. and sits over I here i don't even really know how it started in the room and I sat down in my chair and we were just talking and then he said you haven't even had your coffee yet and I was like oh that's weird <laughs> usually it's like I make a beeline for the coffee pot I have it set you know on auto brew and so it's waiting for me when I get up in the morning Oh. So that was an interesting thing. And then, you know, over time, we also realized that we were just able to converse better, to plan things out better. And that was a huge difference above and beyond all of the physical things that we both were noticing for things that were similar and things that were different that felt better physically. The mental thing really kind of shocked me. And then I then you start thinking about, how does that affect people and mankind on a global basis? Yeah. You think about Seriously. that. You think about just the little difference between the interaction between the two of us. And I thought, wow. Whoa. There yeah. are major implications <laughs> when you think about it, even tiny yeah. changes. So I'm, my answer to your question was the, the thing that shocked me the most was my eyesight improving. Agree. You know, that just blew me away. You know, many years ago in South Carolina, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s and I go to get my license renewed and I couldn't read the dang line. And so I had, you know, 
glasses restriction. Yep. I had to wear eyeglasses. Yep. And uh, then uh, I lost my wallet and had to go get my driver's license renewed. I hadn't, it hadn't been, it hadn't been quite a year that I'd been carnivore and took my glasses and we, we go to the DMV dreading it like everybody does. And we walk in there and I said, well, I got my glasses, ma'am. I'll go ahead and put them on so I can read that line. She said, no, sir, you need she to just try it without them. And I could read the bloody line. Perfect. That's crazy. That is crazy. No problem at all. Yeah. And and it just so happened that she pulled up on her little screen my previous driver's license picture and then my new current picture. So it was like a perfect before and after, right? <laughs> and, and, and I was just, I was just dumbfounded. I've heard of all these other things that people have had improved, but I haven't heard anybody say their eyesight got better. Who thought? Who would have? I never would have imagined in a million uh -uh. years that would have happened. Uh-uh. And then the other the other one right behind that was on the tenth morning I woke up without joint pain. And that really freaked me out because I felt like instead of a fifty seven year old man, I felt like a fifteen year old kid from from here down. Wow. And and I took two mile walks in the mornings then and I'm literally skipping down the sidewalk giggling <laughs> to myself, going, This is crazy. Because I, you know, I, I'd never been diagnosed with arthritis or anything. You know, I was 57. I'd fallen down and gone, gone boom. You start getting all these aches and pains that you kind of ignore because they kind of creep up on you really slowly. So you don't really yeah. think about it until when you're getting up or doing something you're like. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and it was all I, I was unaware of how of how how many joints I had that were causing problems until they all went silent. That's I was crazy. Like, oh, it's nuts. <laughs> For me, like I have old injuries in my knees and my foot, and you know all these things, and plus my my shoulders and my hands from work and. The, the improvements were really, you know, amazing, really amazing. So, um, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend it enough, really. That, that is at awesome. the very least, I say to people, at the very least, please, you know, just cut out all the carbs that you can. Don't eat the oils. Don't eat the, you know, you really don't need all those vegetables. <laughs> you don't need all those vegetables. <laughs> you don't, you don't, don't have, have to eat that right I mean, isn't that funny when you think about it? When you think about vegetables, how do you make them taste good? Well, you have to, most of them, you have to cook them a lot or you have to put something on them. And what do you put on them that makes them taste good? Meat. Fats. <laughs> Butter you have to put fats on them. Lemon juice for me. Butter, I always squeeze lemon. Cheese. Yeah, I mean, lemon is okay, yeah. but if. You know, the people who put lemon are the ones who are trying to lose weight. So if you don't have to lose weight, what would you put on it? Hollandaise. Butter. Sauce, butter, <laughs> cheese, you know, ranch dressing, you know, mayonnaise, whatever. I mean, you put all those, though, fat is what makes things taste good. You all make yeah. my tummy oh, yeah. rumble in front <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so. I literally, when I hear about the thought of eating vegetables, literally makes my gut turn over. In protein. I just don't, don't even really think about it. Like I, I, me either. Me either. Me either. Doesn't really, I walk by yeah. in the store and I just 
Oh, it's I can like care this. less. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I just comment in the grocery store about the beautiful yeah. colors of poison that they have set out <laughs> for people to admire and purchase. Well, the, what bothers me about, about a walk past in the store is you notice, like, especially if you go through like Costco or Sam's, any of those stores, and you just see pallets and pallets and pallets of all of those products made from grains. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's mind boggling the sheer quantity of the snacks and the chips and the yeah. cereals and the cookies and the crackers. And I mean, it is endless. And then all the sweets. And it's like, my God, they knew. why, why is this junk? Yeah like 90% of the food in this store. And they didn't run out of any of that They crap. never ran out. Oh, no, no. That is frustrating, too. And I've heard that it's like 80% of most stores are like what you're talking about, the, yeah. the, the, the crap process. Basically cereal-based products because yeah. cake and cookies, crack, all of those things are all wheat. And if you look now, like I go through the stuff with the pet food because the cat, we try to give them only the canned food that has the meat in it. And so now Walmart had two flavors that had no uh, non-meat additives. It was just basically like, you know, meat, meat byproducts and whatever vitamins they throw in there, vitamins and whatever. But then they, they all the other ones are full of like, Basically, just sweet fillers. potatoes, fillers. Well, rice, the sweet potatoes that's in the dog. Brewers food. rice. Yeah, brewers rice is now in everything. Cause you know, cats are famous, notorious for, rice. for eating <laughs> grains. Yeah. yeah, nibbling on grains. Well, so yeah. you know, it's just a floor. It's just a cost thing for them. So let's see, how can we yeah. make this cheaper and yeah. put, you know, five percent or ten percent, or you don't even know exactly what percentage. Yeah of their food is now rice. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. That's actually one of my questions. So since you've kind of broached this, let's just go ahead and talk about this. Um, first of all, I don't know if Brett told you, but my dog came down with diabetes and she, she was diagnosed on my birthday, okay? It was devastating. She wow. lost her sight within four days of noticing these symptoms that, because the dog can't tell you, I'm not feeling right. We just thought, you know, she was getting older or whatever. And so uh, she started drinking a lot of water and she started like, you could tell she couldn't see very well. And we were like, wow, this is not good. We need to just have her checked out. So we got an appointment, happened to be on my birthday, right? And um, by the point, by the time we were able to get her to the vet, she was completely blind. Wow. And then they said her blood glucose was sky high. Okay, keep in mind, we tried to find the best uh, kibbles type uh, food we could find. And then we started like uh, trying to transition them onto the best dog food we could find. And I have this because right. I, I have <laughs> these things, props, because I made a video about this because I was so pissed off about this, this happening. And so yeah. we were in the process of trying to kind of change over the diet to get them off the kibble and all of that. And um, my other dog was having a lot of digestive issues where she would just drop poop. I mean, just drop poop. And she wasn't a dog to poop in the house. And it was just like falling out. Seriously. I know that's disgusting, but it's true. And we didn't know what in the world was going on with her. And we, again, we're thinking, oh, well, she's old and she just doesn't have control anymore. Uh, no, because, it, and then we started kind of 
transitioning them into raw. But before we could even implement that, this all happened. And, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, oh my God. And, and they, the vet said that my dog's blood sugar was so high that it was like, whoa, way like, and that's just feeding the dog basic dog food. So you're feeding the dog dog food, and they manage to get diabetes, which when you think about it, is kind of mind-blowing because Ludicrous. I don't think the dog is getting up in the middle of the night and raiding the cupboards and eating, you know, no, cookies. And, no, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's infuriating. And uh, like I said, I made this video because I was so mad about it, but that's the same thing like baby formula. I got some baby formula for my granddaughter just in case um, we ran out of breast milk or whatever, because you never know. That was the best stuff I could find. And it still has corn oil in it. It's got, you know, just oh, so gosh, funny. awful stuff in it. And that was the best I could find. And then, you know, if you look like this has carrageenan in it, a thickener that gave me a nasty rash. Yeah, that's so made it's from seaweed. It's terrible. It's just like terrible. Is We're giving this seaweed. to our dogs and, and, you know, cats too, but we don't have a cat, but you know, and I feel horrible because I am responsible. I'm the one that, that feeds my animals, you know, and it makes me feel like crap, but you know what? That's our options. It's either you go raw, which is sometimes very hard to do and can be very expensive. And, you know, depending on, you know, where you're from, sometimes it's, it's hard to get all the stuff that you really need. And so, you know, th that was a very devastating thing because you trust these people who make, a, you know, animal you know, products that, that they're, that they're going to, you know, be good for them because they, I mean, it says so on the package. It's, you know, it's just, just well, there's a big problem with it because I see a lot of ads on Facebook, for instance, for all this great food for the dogs. And I can see all the posts from people saying that, you know, this really isn't all that great. It doesn't look like the picture. So why do you make a picture that looks like a fresh made meal when it's not going to look right? Like and then, well, the second thing people should take into consideration is your dog doesn't give a darn what the food looks like. Yeah. So this habit of theirs of trying to make a can of dog food look like canned stew or something as if the dog cares how thick the gravy is or even that it's brown for heaven's sake the reality is it's another it, another thing we've been lied to about uh-huh yeah it's just a perception thing like, well what does it matter what it looks like what matters is, is it is good because i'll tell you the pile of stuff that i give the dog in the evening it don't look good at all singularly <laughs> because I don't like to eat raw, a pile of different raw meats with a chicken foot on top. You That's know, what like I get my dog. dog thinks it's miraculous. Oh, and yeah. It. And it takes him, you know, less than 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. A a half, a half a pound of meat in less than a minute. Less than a minute. He's wow. not even six months old yet. Jeez. Okay, so Danielle, tell me, um, I, I, this is something I wanted to ask you. I'm just curious to see if it's similar to what I'm doing with my dogs. What exactly do you feed Baron? That's their puppy. He's so cute. But what, what kind of give us an idea and how many times a day that kind of thing and about how much, you know, you know, taking into consideration his age. Well, they, uh, I found a place called like Happy Puppy Site or something. Like, I don't remember exactly. If you just, you know, Google 
raw puppy food, raw food for dogs or whatever, you'll find a lot of sites and just can use, people can just use some common sense and figure it out. They need a certain percentage of meat. They need, you know, obviously they need some fat and they need a certain amount of bun. And so the site gave some proportions and how much they should be eating based on what their adult weight will be. Oh, so for for Baron, that's he needs approximately a pound a day, a okay. little more, a little less. It's not that big a deal. You they say you can simply judge by if your puppy is getting a little chubby, then feed him a little less. If he looks like he needs to put a little more meat on him, then you give him a little more. If and they found you know if you give them too many organ meats and it might give them the runs a little bit of too much bone and it might be too thick, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and plus when they're small, you have to take into account, you know, the size of their jaw and, and their teeth right. and all that. And they said, you know, you don't give them any weight bearing bones. Now that's not like the marrow oh. bones. Give them, you can give them the marrow bones that they, the dog will literally just eat the marrow out of it and then he'll gnaw on it a little bit. But I give him like neck bones, which have more meat on them, and he likes to chew on them. That's what I do. I give him the marrow bones, and I actually found on sale a pack of uh, beef chuck ribs, which really ha do not have enough meat on them to be worth it for a person to right. cook them. Them, but good chew bone for the dog, and not so hard and heavy that it'll be a problem for their teeth. So then I try and find basically the cheapest meat that I can find mm -hmm. that's good. So right. if it's a last day on sale, something, you know, so I'll get chicken breast, I'll get uh, chicken. Now, when he's bigger and he can eat like uh, chicken leg quarters, which will have, you know, the drumstick. And that's what I was feeding the adult dog that we had. Then that's, that's just pretty cheap because that's 70 cents a pound. And it's a good wow, amount. Yeah. And then you can buy like a giant uh, piece of pork for, you know, less than a dollar fifty a pound. Because otherwise you can't spend a lot of money. Like if you yeah. just give your dog ground beef, you can end up spending a lot of money. So you have to kind of balance it out and do what Whoopsie. your budget can afford. You know, do what your budget can afford. Because sometimes you'll get ground beef, you know, just to have leftovers from us, or if I find something on sale and just to mix it in, and I get beef heart, beef kidney. I and, do beef heart, uh, liver. chicken gizzards, and chicken gizzards, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I buy the yeah. chicken feet. Chicken feet, yeah. And, you know, so it isn't all the same. And I also buy the canned salmon. Oh, that's um, what it, we, we buy uh, sardines, yeah. Then, boy, they love that. Those are vile little Oh, man. Creatures. If I open when I'm, yeah. dogs, when I'm making the dog's food, and I open a can of that same, <laughs> but the dog and the cat go nuts. <laughs> yep, yep. But they're so vile. And I give them that because I know that they do need some variety. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not overly concerned with it. And I do feed him. I make I make one pound containers, and I freeze them all, and I make do like thirty days at a time. You're so organized. Goodness. Well, I have to make when I'm got. It's such a kind of a big project to cut up all that meat. Yeah, that's true. All this stuff up. I, I can't do it every couple of weeks. That's why I had to stop making homemade sausage because I just didn't have the time. And just yeah. making five pounds of sausage is like 
a big project and then I can like eat it in a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. so I, oh, I made all the sausage, yay, and then I'm like, it's all gone. Man. Well, it sounds really similar to what I'm doing, but um, we use a, a base mainly of ground beef, <laughs> but we, we did the Sam's that. big old tubes, and that's what we've been getting, and, and you know, a pretty decent price when we were just, yeah, we were talking about the other day, but yeah, and, but I will tell you, since we've been doing this, uh, the, the dog that had the issue with dropping poo d is not doing that anymore. So if you don't think nutrition matters, whether it's human or an animal, you've lost your mind because it does matter. And I am furious. I'm furious at this crap, you know? And ooh, that's why I wanted to ask you about that because I think it is so incredibly important people know this because they're trusting the dog food because, oh, dogs must need something completely different so they know it's what they're true. doing. I mean, I looked at all the canned food, like when we first got the puppy, and I wasn't doing raw food for him then. I was buying the cans of the puppy food. And I read the labels of so many different cans of things. And most of them had a lot of crap in them. Yes. Like wheat and soy yeah. or anything I mean, else. Or they would say, you would say, oh, no soy, no corn. And then you read it and it's like, oh, it's full of peas and beans. Yes. And like, why, why am I going to give that to the dog? And so I found... One, two kinds, uh, I think it was by pedigree or something. And so I was giving him that until I, I think we switched him over at around 12 weeks or so, yeah. 11, 12 weeks. And I switched over to, to the raw and, you know, he was super happy. Oh yeah. My dogs are pretty darn happy. I'll tell you that. But you know, it does infuriate me because now my dog can't see. And it was, it's because of the diabetes, which is due to the food. And it wasn't like we're giving them cookies and chips and snacks because that's not even in my house, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's very infuriating. Okay. Well, let me get to some questions. L let mm -hmm. me go ahead and ask you um, a couple of questions that um, I got from my followers. Okay. okay. This is for Brett. How do you remain so consistent and disciplined with your meals? Do you ever plan to incorporate other carnivorous foods such as seafood, eggs, etc.? And you cannot give your typical answer. <laughs> no, you've got to be a little more creative or something. It cannot be the same answer. No. <laughs> well, the reality is my sanity is priceless to me. And I don't deviate because, number one, there's not a reason to. I, I, I love every bite of what I eat, every meal, every day. You can ask her if I didn't like it. He wouldn't eat it, believe me. I wouldn't put it in my <laughs> mouth that for years. if you paid me. I don't me. like it, I'm not going to eat it. And I won't. <laughs> I won't. And, and, you know, I mean look at me. I mean, I'm 59 doing what I now, what I did when I was 15 with exercise. And I'm not, I'm it's nuts what I'm capable of now. And it's not because I'm anybody special. I just don't want to be crazy anymore. And to me, there's no downside to eating how I eat. I don't, I don't, want any other kind of meat. I don't ever look at what she's eating and think, 
you know, I think I'd like some of that tilapia instead. I'm thinking, damn, I get to eat bacon. She's eating that. I'm winning. You know, I mean, I, I, I just don't, and I don't, I really most of the time don't pay attention to what she's eating because what's on her yeah, plate is none of my business. Well, it is because I, I make different stuff all the time. Like last night, uh, you're horning in on my answer. Oh, I'm sorry. That's true. Well, <laughs> she's getting a little bossy over a little camera hoggy. I'm telling you, she's getting out of control. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I, and if so my, the second part was well, if if I ever feel the need, I mean, I feel like I'm really tuned in. I mean, it's been over two years now. I got yeah. a good grip on where my body's at, and when if something's not agreeing with. Me. And the second that I feel deficient, weak, unable to do what I need to do, want to do, if I have to feel like I have to put any extra, maybe then I'll think of other meats. But until then, I mean, I am totally satisfied. I mean, it's not just, and it's, it's convenient. It's easy. It's not hard. I don't yeah. feel like I'm deprived. It's very simple. I don't, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I don't look at Dr. Baker and his ribeyes and, and, and drool. In fact, last Thanksgiving, we, I thought, well, I'll splurge and get a T-bone because I, 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 I used to love T-bones. And I don't dislike them now, but I'd just rather have my satisfying ground beef and bacon. And, and I'm halfway through this T-bone, and it's like filet it's on. It's not worse than buying a steak and having it go, what could just have a hamburger? I mean, I, I thought. Oh, my was, God. It, it was, it tasted okay, Jeez. but I'm halfway through it, and I'm thinking, I really rather have my ground beef. <laughs> okay, so do y'all have any pointers on respectfully influencing a family member to try carnivore? Not really, because <laughs> I've been completely unsuccessful in, in getting anybody to try okay well there's one exception who's who is a friend who she went carnivore and she joined the zeroing in on health and as far as i know she's she's doing pretty well i i it's possible she's fallen off the wagon a couple of times um but hopefully she'll get back on track uh but i do know that she saw the value of eating this way mm -hmm. And, uh, and so she was, she was very convinced, but I also understand that it's difficult when your whole family is not on board. Right. Yes. Yeah. So her family, whole family was not on board, although they were not against it, but it's difficult when you have a big family and friends and all that. Very. Stuff. Everybody's leading a different lifestyle than your own. It makes it very hard. I mean, for us in our little bubble here, it was easy for us to do this because we don't have anybody else telling us what to do. Both of us, our families are far away, and so nobody is saying anything to us or making us not do exactly what we yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, because there isn't anybody around seeing what we're doing, it's harder to influence people. I think that if let's right. say you know, let's say my mom and dad live down the street and they could see the change. They could see how easy it is for us to do it this way and how much sense it makes. You know, I think then it, it would be easier if people are close by, but if they're not there and they, and they already think that you're a little off, 
the wall, then you know it makes it it makes it harder. But. Well, I think it's 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 like anything else. It's always going to be specific to the family member or friend. Not everybody's interested in listening. Right. Uh, in fact, as you know, people can be offended when they encounter somebody that's as healthy as we are, and they're not. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, the best thing that you can do is to just be the example because our health is impossible to ignore the right. changes that we, the, the body, the physical transformations are impossible to ignore. The difference in how we interact with other people is impossible to ignore. And that's how I have approached this. You know, I, I, I you know, I'm an advocate and I will proselytize in the right situation, but as a rule, I just, I just go about my business, you know, and, and I, you know, I wear my eat meat, drink water shirts everywhere I can. And that's, that's pretty much the extent why, but I have people who I haven't talked to in 20 years messaging me on, on Facebook going, Hey, my wife's got fatty liver disease. Can you help us? Can you tell us what you're doing? That's awesome. We see the pictures and that's just, you know, that's a, a way of being a good example without, cramming it down somebody's throat yeah that that's my advice just just be the example for somebody else to follow like dr ken berry says be the silent example you don't need to shove your lifestyle in other people's faces they will see and eventually if you know when they're ready they'll ask so yeah i totally yeah okay so i don't want to run out of time and I've worked myself up to this one and you know where I'm going to go with this one because I, it's not allowed normally. Okay. For anybody who knows me, this is not allowed to be talked about because it embarrasses the crap out of me. So I've decided I have to venture out of my little comfort zone and I'm going to go for it. So here we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay. So I know that you've talked before about, how big of a difference uh, the change in diet has done for your libido. So can you kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of talk about what it was like before so you can understand what, what is better? And I hear Danielle really does well with this one, so. <laughs> well, I'm like you. I don't really like to talk about that, you know, but, you know, people who aren't like that I'm married to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say it's made a really big difference because um, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's always been a question of when he wanted. And, and for me, it was like, take it or leave it. I mean, honestly, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it wasn't great, but it was like, if you didn't remind me, I could probably never think about it. I mean, I've been that way, like most of my adult life, really, I think with the exception of when I was really young. Uh, so for me, that was, it was a, a rather interesting change that I didn't expect. And also because I had gone through other physical changes because of menopause and everything. And so yes. it made things more difficult just from a physical perspective 
and you know having to get some little helpers and etc and so to feel basically physically like one was young again uh-huh and and to you know for everything just to be more desirable and everything was was amazing to me because it was also like it never had really been before i mean it wow. was it was so much better it's like it's like all of a sudden you have a bunch of nerves that you didn't know that you had or they weren't wow. really working that well before mm -hmm. i mean it was really um really very different and not just in not it wasn't a mental thing really it was a, a physical sensation thing that was very different I mean, even, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I can remember exactly what things were like when I was, you know, 20, when I was 25, 30, 35, you know, and, and so that, that was really interesting to me because I thought this has got to be a healing thing. This yeah. has to be a healing process where your, your tissues are better, your things are more responsive your nerve endings are better. And we do know that diabetes and, you know, insulin issues and, and metabolic issues do affect your nerves. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, and it affects, you know, your brain, obviously, too. But it was a really rather dramatic change. Wow. And it didn't happen overnight. And it was just something that I just started noticing. And... Um, yeah, it's really pretty amazing. It's really pretty amazing. And so I tell people, you really got nothing to lose by trying. But you have to give it the, a really good try. And you also have to understand that for everybody, it's going to be different. I think for me, because my hormones were already in a different place because of my age, it's going to be different than the experiences I've read from other women online in the Women's Carnivore Group and others who have gone through some remarkable things. You know, I mean, even healing things like endometriosis and stuff like that. I mean, it's really yeah. pretty amazing when you think yeah. about it. Very amazing. Okay. Well, she asked me. Well, she asked both those. It wasn't just you. Well, now you can tell. <laughs> I want the terrible. raw cop. I want the raw video of this, <laughs> the unedited version. Teaching <laughs> tool. <laughs> No, seriously, it, it it really transformed both of us. And, you know, for me, it was all the years, you know, as she said, I, I basically I was the horn dog and mm -hmm. she if I didn't bring it up, it might not ever happen again. <laughs> well, probably you know, <laughs> it, it, I, that's literally what it looked like to me. And I also, when I was sick and, and whatnot, you know, pleasure of any kind was like a respite from the disaster that I was mm, living, from right. the mental illness, from the anxiety, the whole nine yards. And, you know, then the obesity and all the meds and then, you know, suddenly yeah. things stopped working right. <laughs> and you know she giggles. She giggles. I'm laughing because I mean for men it is a big issue. It's yeah. a big psychological thing if they can't perform like they want to perform. But when they, they want to perform. And, and and it was 
I started that started improving as I went low carb and then you know three years I walked off 94 pounds and got off all the meds but 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 it didn't it wasn't until carnivore that that I I could feel sexy I mean literally you know, you know, everybody, you know, when you feel sexy, you feel sexy. You didn't make a shit with how old you are. And, and, and it was like, wow. I feel like that. And, and dang, who knew this was possible when I was 57, 58, you know? And I'm like, this is incredible. And, and then, you know, she's only a month behind me. And then it's her our bodies transform and everything just works like it was designed to work. Yeah. And, and you, you, you get to experience genuine lust again, which is not a bad, it's a good, normal yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think it just makes all that it, it's, it's a more mutually wonderful experience. It, it, it's never it's never not amazing yeah. and it's never uncomfortable and they That's the communication in that regard used to be nil and none and not at all That's another thing. Now, this is an interesting aspect I think, of the brain is because I'm basically an introverted person anyway and then there were a lot of things that were extremely difficult to talk about and yeah. it was nearly impossible for me to communicate with them on any level what I might have wanted or not wanted in the bedroom. And that is something that also changed. And that wow. obviously makes a big difference because an interesting aspect of simply being able to express oneself a little bit is that it makes everything better because it makes him feel better too about what's going on. So, you know, that's it's a you know, it really makes a big difference. I feel like I'm on the Dr. Ruth. <laughs> this is great. But I will say, y'all, I'm going to have to scrub my brain because all I have right now is, is an image of Brett going, if you want my body and you think I'm sick. That has never happened. Yeah, it no. will never happen. <laughs> He'll never see me disco song ever. Oh, no, no. Disco still sucks. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, it's one of the, the, the positives of this way of eating that I really don't think is talked about enough. Yeah, and, agreed. And, you know, what, what it's done for us on a communications level is just extremely yeah. profound and it's all positive. There, there has not been for either one of us, correct me if I'm wrong, there's not been any negative no, there is no that negative. we could associate with this way of eating. I mean, you can look and say, okay, well, you have to change your shopping habits and you realize that your kitchen really should be completely redesigned. You know, you need different appliances or different, you use different pots and pans. Half of what I used to use, I don't use anymore. Oh, yeah. You know, you, so all of those things are different. And I, I wish I could build like a whole new house to suit our new lifestyle. Right. But um, the downsides, none of those things are really downsides because everybody knows most of the time, unless you actually did get to build your own house, things are never quite the way you want them anyway. And what you think you wanted that later, you're like, oh, yep. actually, I wish I had yep. done this. And the shopping, the shopping is actually way easier because we know exactly what we want. Yep. And so I can go to the stores and see, and the only real 
planning that I have to do is now because of virus crap is who has what as far as supplies right. and inventory. And then the only time I'm really watching on sales is for the dog food, like Harvey's is going to have chicken breast on sale this weekend. So I can plan ahead and get ahead, you know, for the dog food. Uh, but it is much, it is much simpler. It's much simpler to get, you know, even with the variety that I eat, like my son and I, we like chicken. I make chicken Alfredo. I make pork chops. I make roast chicken and I make sauteed fish, you know, all of those things I cook with a lot of butter. And, you know, then also we eat hamburgers and bacon for dinner sometimes too. If, if all of us are having burgers and I'm not, and it isn't raining, then I'll cook it on the grill. Uh, but I can't manage outside and inside at the same time. So I keep trying to find another kind of pan that I can split the grill and cook like fish and the hamburger on the grill. But I don't know if I can manage that and my fish not end up tasting like hamburger <laughs> yeah well, yeah i i yeah i or am so the hamburger tasted like this but i mean even side by side yeah, there's a lot of splatter so i don't know if i can ever manage that without two girls it, it is funny how how things do change because for me it is so simplified like our our pantry is so empty compared to the way it was. I, I'm like very, everything has to be just a certain place and everything turned a certain way. And so, you know, my pantry just looked at it and everything was organized and I had these little containers and they were all labeled and stuff. And now it's like, yo, it's empty. <laughs> it's like kind of empty. And it's like just the main like part of my refrigerator is full. There's like salt, pepper, sage, and Italian seasoning. I think that's all that I use. I keep turmeric, which I put a little bit when I make the chicken broth. I put a little bit just to give it the, a nice color. And uh, <laughs> I gotta hurry you. Just like <laughs> one, one, one teaspoon for like, you know, three gap, four she, gallons. She eats things I wouldn't put in my mouth on a dare. <laughs> but of course, she doesn't have to worry about losing her mind. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. And as far as it, that's exactly right. Yes, yeah, see, I'll, I'll add to that. As far as being able to keep on straight and narrow, I have some very severe food allergies. So I have to be very careful. And there are some, a few things that I am allergic to that I like. And I have no trouble at all. I had no trouble at all not eating them because getting really sick is a really good deterrent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you know what the consequences are, I mean, I realize that there are some people who I guess are gluttons for punishment who will do things that they know are going to hurt themselves. But that's a different matter altogether than just, because I don't even really think it's a question of willpower. It's just like, I know this is good for me. Why on earth wouldn't you want to do yeah. this good for you? You know, I can surely resist eating. It's like, okay, eggplants make my throat itch and peas and all of these things. And, you know, peanuts will put me in the hospital. I have no trouble avoiding any of those things. And I know now it's been, you know, next month it'll be two years since I've had, you know, anything with grains in it. And I feel pretty wow, sure yeah. that if somebody gave me a slice of toast, that it would probably make me quite ill. And I don't yeah. want to be ill. It's not worth it. It's just not. Yeah, it is just not worth it. If you know, it's like you wouldn't eat something that was rotten. 
Yeah. So why would I eat something that I know is going to make me sick or cause a major digestive upset? Plus, you don't really care anymore. You yeah, kind of like lose is that not desire. They're yeah. not appealing at all. And that's why I wish anybody trying this, please stick with it long enough so that you can start to lose those things. It's the same advice that I used to give people about quitting smoking. Just got to get past the, the one yes. week or two weeks that it takes you to get past the nicotine. And then another month or two that it takes you to get past the habit. And that's the thing is these are habitual things that you've been doing for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. You can't expect that all of a sudden you're going to forget everything you knew before. It right. takes a little time to recondition yourself to new habits and a new way of thinking. Now that, you know, you took the red pill and you know the truth. <laughs> you said you were an introvert. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, something you have to understand about introverts we are feel very comfortable in an environment where where it's familiar so i know amber and obviously i know you so i have no problem <laughs> because i can't see all those people that are watching us now if there was an audience out there that'd be a different story it's like when <laughs> i'm at work that's my milieu that's my area of expertise i'm not shy there She used to be. I'm, I'm much, well, you know, maybe it's the eating the meat that I'm not such a, you know. She's, a also, she's also much more assertive now than she ever uh, in yeah. a million yeah. years would have been prior to COVID. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of trouble with jobs and with people before because it's so hard for me to confront people. And it was very easy to intimidate me. And I yeah. usually wouldn't, wouldn't do anything until like, I got pushed to the point where I would have like a Ter a terrible reaction where I would like lose my mind or something. <laughs> yeah. I, there is definitely, yeah, there's definitely something to that because I mean, Brett knows, I mean, I, he's the one that, you know, talked me into doing the podcast that we do together because I, I, w I wanted to do something like that, but I was nowhere near being ready. And he just kind of pushed me into it a little bit. And I was like, you know what, why, what the heck? And I, I was like, this isn't hard. Wow. What? I can do this. So I do think there is something about that, the, the confidence, the, the way you, you, you feel and you don't have all this crazy in your head, you know, telling indecision. you. It's, yeah. The indecision or the, or not so much indecision, but the ability, inability to take a, take a step, which is like the brain fog. It's like when I'm at an intersection now and the light changes and all these people are still sitting there. It's like, uh, it only gets so green. It's like, am I the only person who has <laughs> reflexes anymore? I mean, people are really so slow to react to things. Yeah. It's really kind of amazing to me. And I, these are situations that I see all the time when I'm in the store, when I'm other places, and you see people who are like frozen, and you can almost see that you know, the gears are not turning. <laughs> but like people, you got to get all that sugar out of there because it's killing you. And you, yeah. you're so it's true. It is true. I, I agree. I, you know, we were, we were oblivious to it when we were those people. I mean, sure. you, were, you, you were unaware totally and things that I thought were perfectly normal <laughs> come to find out <laughs> they're anything but normal. <laughs> Well, it might be normal, but it's not right. <laughs> and, I, and I think that the whole thing with the, with the sugar and the brain fog and everything it affects different people differently. Right. 
because people have different personalities and different tendencies. And I also think because probably on a genetic level that some people are just affected differently. I mean, I know people who have made much better decisions in some aspects of their lives than me, but then in other aspects of their lives, I think they've lost their mind. And for me, it's like the opposite. Like all the stuff before that I made really poor decisions on, now I'm making much better decisions and then in other areas, I was fine, and I'm still fine. I mean, it just, I think it just all depends. But yeah. I think generally speaking, I think anybody who eats this way can expect, you know, can expect a big difference in their thought process and just being able to think more clearly yeah. and just feel better about everything. Just I agree. Feel, you know. And the absence of fear is enormous. Because when I, I, you know, before carnivore, as I look back, I, I was eat up with anxiety and worry constantly about everything, useless nonsense. I would fret and worry. I would get text messages literally all day long. Oh, and wow. problems, things that were wrong, they had to be solved right away. Something had to happen right away. And I'm like, you know, his favorite thing was, about me like not answering the phone what if i was in a ditch and i'm like well you should call 911 not me you know but so <laughs> which you can't really say that to a crazy person <laughs> not an expected positive no but he would Whoa. fret over all sorts of things all the time and it's funny because you talk about how i was rather introverted introverted and you know had a problem with unfamiliar situations or being you know socially awkward or whatever now he was not like that but he had this other anxiety so he could get up on stage and be in front of all these people and do all this stuff but then he would be completely paranoid about other things so oh, it's, wow it's that same thing about how different you know different people get affected differently yeah yeah getting up on and stage really, and doing that mm. and i really think that you know, it's like all of these things that they don't know what causes it about like men, different types of mental illness and, you know, it's very is I think it is all caused by inflammation. 90% of it anyway. Yeah, a good bit of it. Now, obviously, there are some people who simply do have 5%. The other 5% is genetic and the other 5% of the remaining 10 is environmental. Yeah. I believe the rest of it's 90% physiological yeah, inflammation. inflammation from what we I mean even if we look at this virus now who are the people who are being affected people yeah. who are metabolic, metabolically compromised yeah and, and then you hear the stories about underlying or healthy and then you see a picture and they're overweight and I'm not shaming that or anything but if you have excess weight like that there's something metabolically not right so you may not have been di diagnosed. You may not know you have something, but it's there somewhere. You just haven't been diagnosed yet. Yeah, and I think even the, the people who sometimes they say, well, is this person, you know, they were otherwise healthy. Yeah. Well, yeah. we don't really know what was going on with them because That's right. you know, if you'd looked at Skinny me, fat. yeah, if you'd yeah. looked at me before I went on this diet, and I would go to the doctor and they were amazed. Oh, you're not on any medications. You know, your cholesterol is okay. Everything, you are perfectly healthy. Well, no, I'm not. Yeah. Because 
you know, I wanted to lose 10 pounds, and when I went carnivore, I lost 28. And then I had arthritis. Now, what is arthritis caused by? It's an autoimmune disorder. So obviously, I had those problems, just Something, on a yeah. much lower level than some people, you know, because... But she was, she was in perfect health. But according to the doctor, I was, everything was fine. Right. Yeah. I still and see, couldn't that's believe the thing. that I wasn't on any medicines. <laughs> yeah. People, people don't understand that. They think because they're not diagnosed that they're healthy and you know, it, like, Oh, well I'm overweight, but I'm healthy. Um, no, you're not. No, you're not under, there's something not right. It, it is, just hasn't it manifested completely. Right. And it isn't really just a question of just weight loss. I mean, this is evidenced by people who go on the carnivore diet, and some of them gain weight initially. Yes. Or yes. some of them lose weight, and then they gain some back, and they lose some. And it's like you just have to be patient and let your body heal itself yes. first. And then, then I think you will reach some sort of stasis at some point, and that could take a long time. Yes. And it took however many years it took to, for you to get to this point. Exactly. It's going to take a long time to get out of it. And then at some point, it'll level out and you'll get to whatever your normal weight should be, which somebody's normal weight, some people are going to be naturally very thin, I think, and some people are going to be naturally bigger. What are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, why are you laughing? <laughs> this, this is funny. I'm just going to tell you because it's usually him. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm then thinking, he's, what just, did I say? he's just. You never anything wrong? No, no, no. This is awesome. It's awesome. I wish I didn't have to wear my glasses, but I can't see you clearly without them. So. That is so funny. Yeah, because Brett's not one that, that's used to being kind of quiet in the background. <laughs> I'm loving it. This is great. <laughs> I, I, she, she talk as long as yeah, she wants. The only time, I, the only time I, I want to, to say something is, A, when she's interrupting, or if she starts repeating herself. Then, yeah. then I feel compelled oh, to say something. Oh, oh, okay. I'm weird like that. Okay, well, I'm I'll, I'm going to ask you something, Brett. Okay, so if you had to give one piece of advice for somebody who was just starting carnivore, what would it be? And do not rattle off those basic rules. You have to be creative. Don't do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> Yeah, I can't give them the directions because, hell, that would be helpful. Uh, <laughs> no, you got to think out the box. Okay, no, out, 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 outside, outside of following the directions that I'm not allowed to discuss, <laughs> I would say the most important thing to do is to be patient and learn to trust your body because we've been taught to fear everything about our existence in ridiculous ways. And I think this virus nonsense has really exposed the depths of that programming quite clearly. Because, you know, we're taught to be afraid of everything. Don't eat bacon, it's got nitrites on it. Oh, there's sugar in it. It could do this, it could cause that. Uh, yeah, I've been eating it three times a day for two years. I think you're full of crap. <laughs> um, but, but I think that fear is so ingrained in our psyches and, and, and yeah. why why did we eat things that caused us so much trouble because we genuinely believed it was healthy it was the right thing to do 
you, you with your dog in classic case, you were doing what you thought was the right yeah. thing to do. And we were just fed a line of crap. We yeah. were taught not to trust our own judgment. Exactly. Yes. thought that, well, you need an expert. Well, who is this expert? And are they really experts? And uh, experts have, experts damn near killed me. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I took, you can ask her, I was compliant. Staying on top of my meds was one oh. of the few things I could really do when I was crazy. I could do that and make a little music. That was about it. I, I you know, I took them because I believed they were, that was better than the alternative. The alternative would be worse. And it was all a big pile of crap. Yeah. You know, there's not even any, there's never been a study to show that, <laughs> that, that, that these, that depression is the result of a pharmaceutical deficiency. But there's no evidence to show that a serotonin deficiency is the cause for depression. But yet, that's the disease management answer. Oh, yeah. Is take these pills, and, and if they don't work, we'll try some different ones. And then eventually, maybe we'll find the right combination, except for Brett, who nothing really worked for very long, and it just made things worse. And I got crazier and crazier. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I know she'll agree. agree. About the way these medications work, because what happens is they find out, okay, somebody has a certain problem, but if we give them this, it changes that a little bit, so we think, well, that means that you're better, and I noticed something at, at one point where I did take antidepressants for a short period of time, Look and I can't, I can't remember exactly which one it was. Might have been the you were on Zoloft. You were on Wellbutrin. I was on Wellbutrin and, and then Zoloft. And I think it was the Zoloft that I just stopped taking it because what I noticed about it was the way that it worked. And I think it's very interesting that I was actually able to think through this as I analyzed how I was feeling about this. It made me not care. And that's how it quote unquote made me feel better was because it made me not care. And so I was caring about mm -hmm. things and that made me worry. And a lot of that was a result of, I had one of those horrible bosses at that time. I was working for a woman who was a terrible person and I didn't get along with her. And we had, I had major job issues. And then I got a crazy guy at home and then, you know, dealing with the kids and financial problems. So it's like, it's like before when I had been diagnosed with depressed with my first husband and I thought, you know what? Maybe it's not that I'm depressed. Maybe my life just sucks. <laughs> Maybe I've got a good reason to be upset. And I only took that medication one time. But anyways, fast forward, I realized that it made me not care. And I thought, you know what? This is very dangerous way to feel because... Uh caring about how you react to things and how you're feeling is what regulates your behavior and right. i thought if if i just start really not caring about stuff then i'm not going to change my life i'm not going to get a different job i'm not going to do whatever i need to do 
And I was like, I can't take this stuff anymore. I think it's doing weird things to my brain. Wow. And so I stopped taking it. And, you know, and our lives change. And I just kind of realized that my problem with, and I had had a lifetime of basically met what I would call melancholy. And I think there's a name for that. You just basically, you know, you know, what like maybe I was goth before there was goth or whatever, you know, like, but I think that was an issue of feeling helpless about your life and stuff like that, or being able to change things, or you couldn't make things be the way that you want. But the, those are problems that if your brain is working right, you can solve. Right. And once, you know, once you're eating meat and you, and you're not all fogged up and not knowing what you're doing, then you're like, well, now I can do something about the things in my life that I, that I don't like or that I'm unhappy about or whatever. And if you uh, say $29.95, she will send you a track and a pamphlet <laughs> save your life. Well, I realize everybody's different in that regard, but I really think that a lot of people who suffer low levels where they're unhappy or they feel disconnected and stuff like that, you're not depressed. You need to stop eating carbs and you need to eat meat. And then if once you've done all of those things, you still have something wrong, then yeah, okay, maybe you do need some sort of therapy and everything. But the first thing the doctor does is put you on an antidepressant. Yeah. Well, yeah. you need some Valium, lady, because you shouldn't be getting so upset when you get your period or something like that, you know? I mean, the first person who put me on antidepressants was the gynecologist. Oh, wow. Wow. I think actually we got to most of the questions, but Brett, did you have any uh, last minute things you wanted to say to anything that you feel is important? I know you kind of uh, talked a little bit about the advice you would give without going into the basic rules. I'm very proud of you. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was out of the box. Wow. I... <laughs> I'll let you talk. Though. Well, thank you. No, I, I'm just, after two years of living this way, it just still gets better. Every day, it's better. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm doing things physically at 59 that I hadn't done since I was 15, 16 years old. I'm, I'm now incorporating wind sprints into my morning walks. If you'd have told me five years, if wow. you'd have told me three years ago, that I would be doing wind sprints of any kind, I'd have probably hit you just cause that was just so ridiculous. You just needed to be knocked out. So you quit saying ridiculous things because I just an absurdity and I'm going to run tomorrow morning. I'm going to do some sprints. And, and, and he's doing this like it's barely light outside. It's like 6.30 in the morning. So I get up at six and I start cooking, and then as soon as he comes out here, so by 6.30, he's out the door with the dog. The dog's had his half pound, and so they're out the door down the street. And, and why do I, I call that, you, Brett? You couldn't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> do, I, do I, Amber? What, what, what do I call the hours you keep? Uh, grandpa hours. It's <laughs> up early and goes to bed early. They're actually, And, and it gets up early. It's more military time because that, you know. Yeah, he gets up. It isn't just early. Like some people would say, get up early at 5.30, 6 o'clock. No, he's up at like 4.30 in the morning. 
crazy. But see, you know, for me, that's kind of, you know, her time is after everybody's going to bed. Well, I enjoy that hour, couple hours. You like that alone time. Yeah, that makes I mean, sense. It's just me. And the dog is still in the bedroom, so he's not harassed by the dog. Oh, okay. The rest of the day, he's he really has to, the puppy's like constantly there. I mean, you can put him in the cage for a while every now and then, but he can't be all day in the cage, and he still has to go get walked and all that, so. And, and, and I don't, you wouldn't, I have one if you're going to keep it caged up. <laughs> um, it basically, guys, we're 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 just examples of what happens when you follow the directions, because that's all we're doing. We're not, you know. I don't have some vast well of willpower. Neither does she. We're not super disciplined people by any means. If you could just walk through our house, you'd see that. <laughs> Go into my music room, you you, you would probably have a psychotic break because it's yeah. and I think actually we are interestingly a good example of how different the carnivore diet can be between two people because I eat cheese sometimes and I cook you know I use cream sometimes and I put cheese on stuff now I'm not a big like slab of cheddar on a burger but I'll make the sauteed chicken I'll put a little cream and you put a little parmesan on it so it's kind of like an Alfredo knockoff and, and I will have pork rinds <laughs> with brie, you know, cheese and stuff like that. I'm on again, off again with the coffee stuff. And, and I eat a wide, you know, what to me is a wide variety of meats. If I could, have, if I could afford it, I would eat even bigger variety because I would be eating way more seafood and more different kinds of fish than just, I eat salmon and tilapia because they're the cheapest ones that I like. Right. And, but if I had my druthers, you know, I'd be eating tuna and swordfish and halibut and all of that. And I'd be eating shrimp more often and I'd be having lobster every now and then. And I would probably have steak more because I would buy better steaks. The steaks that I can afford are borderline. So if you're going to have a borderline, I'd rather just eat a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I still love my hamburgers and my bacon. And in the, every day for breakfast, I have like five, six slices of bacon. And every single day for lunch, I have a hamburger and four slices of bacon. And it's a marvelous lunch. And the guy that I work with, who actually, he's, uh, he's like a keto person at least. But he tells me, he goes, you have the best lunches. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you can eat it too. <laughs> Brett, you're cracking me up. I don't even know what he's laughing at. But, you know, because people think that it's weird that he eats you know, the ground beef and the bacon, every, the same thing, every meal. But it's like, cause that's what he likes. Yeah. And that's the whole, that's the great thing about this is you just eat what you like. And okay, yeah. yes, your limit is animal products, but there's a hell of a lot of animals out there. There really is. There's a huge variety of animals. There's even within any animal, there's many different cuts of meat. There's all kinds of different ways to cook it. It is Absolutely. not boring at all because your taste buds do change. And, I agree. And all that other stuff just becomes a distant memory. And, and now you're like, eh. Yeah, you don't really care. It's not a big deal. <laughs> anyway, y'all, thank you so much for, for joining me on the you're podcast. Welcome. It's been a blast. And Danielle, seriously, you crack me up because Brett's just sitting there going, <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
It's great. For him to be oh, silent I, is awesome. Was love, uh, really <laughs> Thanks was. for having us, Amber. Yeah, much. it was a blast. And y'all hit that subscribe button and go follow Brett if you're not already. I'd be surprised if you're not. But if not, I will put all the information below and follow Danielle too.